Welcome to the Little Guys. I'm Josh, and today I'm with Mike Park. Mike, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? I'm Mike Park. I run Asian Man Records, and I play music, and I I'm a dad, and a son, and brother, and many things. All right. Uh, how long have you been uh, making music? I was, I guess, when I first got serious about it, I was in high school, so. Maybe like 1985, right? Uh, and, uh, yeah, just kind of. I think every any kid who played music in high school or was or is in a band as a high school kid, I think you all kind of had this fantasy of uh, like being a rock and roll star or whatever. And so I was no different as a kid. That's what I was hoping to do just uh play music on stage with my friends right um which is cool because you got to do that um and you're still being able to make music with your friends which is is that the uh that's the that's your uh, about section for Kubo station is uh it's like making music with friends right yeah i've made music in the past with friends and then we'd be then we kind of fell out of the friendship area. Yeah. It was hard. We're all friends now, but once you like lose that like friendship over music um, ability in in a relationship, it it kind of sours the whole experience. And I, I feel like I have a really keen eye for that. Like I could see, I've seen bands that I that have been together for a long time, and I'll I'll watch them on stage. I'm like, oh my gosh, they hate each other. <laughs> they hate each other nobody knows but i know because i've been doing this so long um what would you tell people to look out for if they're trying to start a band with their friends nothing just have fun it's just uh it's inevitable i think in every relationship you know you think about if you're in a relationship as in any age um there's ups and downs so you just gotta have communication I think that's a problem is a lot of people hold in their their frustrations and it just boils over to a point where it's like, ah, screw you, and people start yelling and the band breaks up. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so as long as everybody keeps talking, everyone's fine. You got to um, communicate. So you've been a hard, uh, a hard guest to research. You've been in, um, you say you stay busy. Um, what's it like being in multiple bands at the same time? Uh, it's not as hard as one would think because it's not really, I'm not doing anything full time, but because I, I did so many records last year or so many projects last year, it was a little overwhelming for me just because I'm older now and I, I tend to forget how old I am. And so I have a lot of adult responsibilities versus when I was in my late teens and early twenties where I was able to just go, go, go. Um, I tried last year, especially I tried to do a lot of stuff and it was, it was overwhelming. I was burnt out by year's end. Oh yeah. I can imagine. So, um, cause not only on top of recording, you know, three different sets for three different bands, you're also still pushing out records through your record label. Um, exactly and it was really busy way more busy than i wanted it to be and i've made a, a conscious effort to downsize the amount of records I've, i'm putting out because i think it hurts everybody including myself oh yeah if you take i have a hard time saying no to a lot of bands i can feel that too um it's it everyone's happier when you when you help them than when you turn them away um what made you want to go back to the Bruce Lee band project? Well, it's something we always, we've been consistently doing a show every two years. And so this last November of 2019 was the two year mark. And I thought, well, let's just record something for fun to, to release with the, with the few shows that we do every two years. And so that's what was, what, what we ended up doing. 
Nice. Um, and that's a band you've compromised with um, just a couple of your friends. Um, is this a good way to like make sure you stay in touch with everyone? I, yeah, I think it, it is. In addition to just staying in touch with them, but also just being able to um, really bond with them more in that, in that uh, atmosphere of uh, playing music. I think it's a good way to, to really just have a lot of fun other than just getting together and talking like when you play music it's it's a different dynamic for sure uh was that the same idea for kitty cat fan club kitty cat fan club was more and is more of a constant because i wanted to be in a band that a local band that uh, lived in san jose so we could at least play local shows uh and so kitty cat the purpose of kitty cat is to play with friends but it's also to be a more more of a constant and and actually do stuff try to like get together at least once uh once or twice a month to practice or to play shows uh what's your experience been like working with kitty cat that's great it's uh it's it's fun i really actually to be honest to be perfectly honest, it's the band that I have the most fun in because I don't have as much responsibility in terms of being a front man. Um, and so I can just kind of play guitar and jump around a little and have fun. I really enjoy it. I like I like this band a lot. That's really nice to hear. Um, it always makes me happy to hear that like the people that come on the show are enjoying their art. Um because as much it is as much as it is work, it should be it should be a form of work that we all enjoy. Yeah, and I I enjoy every I enjoy all aspects of music like Bruce Lee Band and Ogie Koopa Station and uh, even playing solo and or writing music for my solo stuff. But it's I get really stressed out, uh, and so Kitty Cat is the only band where I don't get stressed out. And so that's why I've, I've kind of found myself gravitating towards that more in terms of what I want to focus my attention on, at least um, for performance. And then I'm kind of over the idea of, of traveling abroad, at least for the present, I'm, I'm really burnt out from touring. So I think I just want to, just want to play local like DIY house shows and, um, especially in San Jose, and just have fun, where I know I'll be home in bed at a reasonable time. <laughs> right. Um, do you think that that feeling of fun comes across to your listener? For Kitty Cat, for sure. I, I, I would think so, and I think the live show, too. It's just we all really have a, a good time playing and no one takes it really serious. It's not like, oh, we got to do this, and we've got to we've got to be successful. I think that's the farthest thing from any of our minds. Of course, we'd like to do well and we want to perform well, but more than anything, we just want to have, we just want to play with like-minded bands and, um, and do shows that make sense, do benefit shows for, for stuff that makes sense for us. And then, um, just have fun. Nice. Um, is that the same goal for Ogi Kubo Station, or is that a different uh, project? I mean, it's the same goal with everything, but Ogi Kubo, it's too stressful. Like, I get super stressed because I have more of a, a, a larger role with myself and Mora being right. the principal, and so I sing a lot more in that band. So it's, I just get stressed out. Uh, what's stressful about it? Is it the, like the reception you're going to get from it, or just the responsibility of being one of the faces of the band? It's I, I can't explain it. It's it's been an ongoing issue since the '90s, early '90s. I I was like looking back at some songs that even Skank Pickle had played in the early '90s, and I was writing about lyrically writing about just stress, <laughs> just being stressed, uh, playing. And it's just, it's always been part of my DNA, I guess, but, and it's not healthy. 
I always enjoy after, like, once it starts, I have a good time. And once it's done, I have a good time. But the lead up is pretty punishing. I, I just have, I deal with this, this um, anxiety disorder that's, uh, it's not fun. So I'm trying to cut out all, all triggers. And so, unfortunately, that means a lot of live shows musically, but I'll, I'll keep recording. I just can't do the live stuff with a lot of the different projects. Well, that's understandable. I mean, that's why I ran the podcasting is because I wanted to entertain, but I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it in a way that like everything I could pre-record and I had lots of time to <clears throat> make sure whatever I was sending out was a good representation of me. Um, if it was something live or something uh that I had to record like year round, I don't think I'd be able to handle it. <laughs> yes. So yes, it's this, uh, you know, everyone has their different qualms and that's just, I mean, I've been dealing with it for decades and it's just finally, I've realized I need to step back and, and stop doing this. Cause it's causing me, it's causing me a lot of unnecessary anxiety and that's not healthy. So, um, that's what I'm doing moving forward until I know that I'm ready to do like travel abroad again. Like I was offered the tour of Japan this year and I, it's one of my favorite places to go, but I just know I can't do it. Right. I, I just can't do it right now. Do you eventually want to go back to touring? Uh, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy, I differ, I enjoy aspects of it. It's just hard. I think, once, especially once I had a family with two kids, the guilt of leaving was is is too much. So um, I just I can't see it. I did a lot last year more than I wanted to, and each time I went, it was pretty hard for me. Like I I my mind was usually thinking about being home, which sucks because that's not. I just don't think it's fair for people who are at the shows getting uh, a performance where I'm just kind of not in the moment. Yeah. Oh. It is what it is. Yeah, and I think everyone would agree that it's probably better for you to be where you're, ha- be where you're happy than forcing yourself to be in a situation that's not good for you. Exactly. That's the advice I give to most people, where it's like, I don't want to go there. Then don't. <laughs> that's That's my... That's my motto right now. Is if I'm not, if I know I'm, it's not going to be fun. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'll stay in, and that's the end of it. I love it. <laughs> um, your last solo record was in 2011. Do you think you'll ever go back to releasing something on your own? What did I recently release in 2011? Was that my children's record? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Beans yeah, and I actually I recorded a full album, and I just didn't like it. Yeah. So I can't, I can that album. I use some of the songs for Ogi Kubo Station, um, and some I just trash. Actually, I even did a second children's album that I that I didn't like after it was done. So I'll probably end up releasing some as singles, but I just have to uh, finish mixing them. And I, I will do some stuff. I I know I'm gonna. I was kind of focusing on those other projects with Ogi Kubo Station and Kitty Cat Fan Club, but. I think for sure, at the very least, I'll, I'll release some singles this year. Nice. Um, do you feel better, like uh, mentally, if you're working on projects? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun. It's fun to do, but I I don't need it. I don't need to do them to feel productive or to feel uh, like I'm. Um, or for self-worth it's just uh i think i'm good at writing music so i'd like to keep spreading the songs out there right as much as i can while i'm alive so uh just kind of continue to do something that i was uh i feel like i was born to do and uh we'll continue to do it but no i don't feel like i don't feel like uh i have to do it to be productive. Right. Um, have you always been this, uh, like a, like a busier person? Um, yeah. And I'm re- really working on trying to not be. 
I have a hard time relaxing. Like I just can't sit down and just go, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. It makes me feel terrible. Like I feel as even doing yard work, I feel great. Like that makes me feel as, I guess as satisfied as <laughs> having band practice. Right. Cause I did, did something. I did something productive. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't like not working on, anything i don't i don't get sitting around very long um especially like the days where i do work and yet i still don't make it out of the house i'm like mm, bad day through the whole day up <laughs> yes exactly exactly i that's why i get i get frustrated at my kids when they're just playing video games all day i guess they, at least they're doing something but i wish it was outside <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I think that's the plight of like every every parent today. <laughs> um, how to get my kids outside? It's a battle. It's a battle. Try to get them to do yard work. Even a bigger battle. Oh yeah. <laughs> I talk about it. <laughs> bribe, them. bribe them. I'll give my son. He's only eleven, but I let him use some power tools, like cutting hedges. Right. And it's, he got kind of excited about that. So <laughs> trying to keep going that direction. Letting him I, use dangerous equipment. I actually imagine you're out like buying saws and stuff and you're like, just got to get my kid to work. That's all I got to do. <laughs> just don't want him to chop off his fingers. Then we'll be good. <laughs> um, do you think uh, if you're, if you're take, if you're trying to take a step back, next uh and coming into this year into 2020 um and kind of like go at an easier pace so that you're not as stressed um do you think you'll be able to make uh for lack of a better term like stronger work because you've had more time to work with it i have no idea <laughs> i don't know maybe uh i think i work really well under pressure so i don't know if that's of having more time to work on projects will result in better productivity or quality content. Uh, I just, uh, more than anything, I just wanted to be home. I've, like, I, I also do officiate weddings, and I've cut that out too. Like, I used to get, I'd say for the last 10 years, at least 10 weddings a year out of town, and I've just, I've just told everybody I'm not doing it this year right um have you have you ruffled any feathers by starting to tell people like no i'm staying home uh, in, in terms of weddings uh yeah weddings or with your record label uh no i i think with the weddings people are understandable i just i'm taking a break uh without a town i'm still do if it's local i'll do it because i could just if I could just drive there in an hour or less, I will do the wedding. So I'm still doing a couple this year, but like traveling, like going to the East Coast to do a wedding, you have a full travel day there, full travel day home, the rehearsal, the wedding, four days you're gone. Unless they're paying me really well or if I know them really well, it's like, oh, why am I even doing this? It's just driving me crazy. I, uh, But yeah, so... I, I, no one's disappointed. Oh, I'm, well, maybe they are a little bit, but everyone's very understandable when I tell them I'm taking a break from doing this. So they're like, ah, oh, it's a bummer, but they'll find somebody else. And with the label, it's fine. Oh, I guess it's just the same. I get probably 10 emails a day from bands asking if I'll work with them. So there's no difference. I've always been telling bands no every day of my life. <laughs> I doing this. so that's no different i think it's going to be a lot of the bands that i've done records for um it's going to be really hard for me to do follow-up records i think if it's especially if it's this year i just don't see myself doing a lot of a lot of stuff this year in terms of asian man releases right well that's i mean that's fair if anyone deserves a break you know um how do you feel like looking towards bands that you've worked with uh before as they like move on to bigger and bigger things, is there like pride behind that? Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> I never understood why I these I won't name them, but so many labels, indie labels, they get so hurt when the bands leave, and I just never understood why. 
It's like, it's great. I want them to leave. I want them to do bigger and better things. I guess if you're, if your idea behind running your label is to become bigger and more successful, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I can, then I understand you being frustrated, but if you're an indie label and you like that level of being small and DIY, then you should really embrace the opportunities for bands you've worked work with or worked with to go on to bigger and better things. And that's what I've always strived for is I've even made calls for bands that, that we've put out records for with other labels saying, this is a band you don't want to miss out on. Oh, who have you called for? If you don't mind me asking. The, the band that really, that stands out is Andrew Jackson Jihad because they were blowing up and it just didn't, and they weren't getting, every label should have been going after Andrew Jackson Jihad. Right. And, they weren't and it just blew my mind and then side one dummy came along and and put out their previous two records they just had a new self-released album just actually came out last friday but um that was a band that i was i just couldn't understand because they were they were selling out big venues like 500 cap venues all across the united states like man this is a band that's you basically serving on a silver platter this band that's done all the hard work already right and if they had if a label was smart like a like especially one of the the bigger hip labels like a sub pop or matador they would have done so well with andrew jackson yard which side one dummy did really well with them but i think a a label like a matador could have really taken ajj to another level yeah, and now that they've now that they've started to self-release, or at least with this album, I'm excited to see where they go. Um, yeah, they're smart guys. They're really diligent in terms of uh, or business savvy. They know what um, makes sense. They know how not to waste a lot of money. A band their level, they still only get one hotel room, and every everyone just crashes in the room. Oh, that's crazy. Um, it's it's awesome. Yeah, uh, they're coming. They're actually coming to Orlando. Um, oh my god! Like this Saturday, as of recording, which is cool. Um, I nice. love keeping up with bands. Um, so, uh, do you do you try to keep up with the people that you've like told to move forward? Yeah, and obviously, I have closer relationships with some artists I'm closer to than others, but right. it's harder as I done this for longer there's just so many bands i've worked with now it's it's hard to keep track of everybody it's now and probably in the thousands in terms of band members but there's i still feel like i've developed really good relationships again some better than others just because it's the nature of personalities and timing and connections but um i've made I've made some really good friends through putting out records for bands that have moved along, um, like the Rosenstocks and the AJJs and the Alkaline Trios and the Lawrence Arms. These guys are all, and I've officiated so many of their weddings, and it's just, it's the family affair. Yeah, well, um, you've told a couple of interviewers before, like that was the goal for Asian Men Records, was to make these friendships and relationships. Is that still the goal? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I was just kind of thinking about it, especially with the this next wave. It's always you got to be... If you're running a record label and you don't release music by the, the next generation of bands, you're going to get stuck in this dinosaur rut of just releasing old, old punk bands or whatever your genre is, style of music. Um, so with this new crop of bands, it's... Yeah, the age gap is so huge for me. Like, I just turned fifty, and we just put out, like, in particular these two bands, Small Crush, which two members are still in high school, um, and then uh, Grumpster, they're in their early twenties. Uh, such a huge gap, but it's still like, still just kind of makes sense. Just like, <laughs> it's cool. It's funny because the singer. For Small Crush, her father just coincidentally is 
was the guitarist for Dancehall Crashers, and you know, I knew we knew each other growing up, and the singer's like, "Oh, you stayed at my grandparents' house." I heard. I was like, "This is crazy." Cause yeah, I did. I slept over when he lived out when he was still young, lived with his parents. So it's like, it's such a funny small world. That is very kismet. Yeah. Um, do you? So you don't find it hard, like connecting to this new uh, generation of uh, bands coming through? I mean, of course, it's it's difficult just because we're the age gap, but it's still really cool. Like small cars. We're just in the studio like a week and a half ago, and I went in and hung out and just just listening to the music and just seeing the excitement in their faces and and it was just like all right and it's it kind of reminded me when I when Tuesday was recording their record uh, Tuesday was with is Dan Andrano from Alkaline Trio's band before Alkaline Trio and like seeing them as young uh, adults put putting out their first record and. It's kind of that kind of reminded me of that. Like, wow, it's, it's the same thing, but I'm older. <laughs> well, that's what I um. So I'm I'm 20. When I moved to Florida for school, I got a job, and everybody that I was working with was like 30 plus. And I used to have to tell them like, if you don't acknowledge the age gap, we'll be fine. But as soon as we start talking about the difference, that's when things get weird. Uh, yeah, I've I, I've always been able to. I, I I don't think it's been weird. I, I I look pretty young for my age, so it's always been okay. Uh, like we just and we still have tons of volunteers. Like a lot of people in their early twenties come, and that's or teens. They come, and it's really actually motivating for me because they're the ones who can tell me about all the new bands. They're like, oh, this you should check out. They're the ones who told me about Small Crush and Grumpster. Are these vo- volunteers that come in? Really, that was my next question: was how do you keep, uh, how do you stay in tune to the indie market? Because I'm, I, I'm not even caught up now, and I'm on the internet every day looking for stuff. Yeah, it's 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 in particular, I wanted to work with bands that were local, who were, right, who were bands that I could, um, you know, just kind of build community with, uh, instead of being thousands of miles away. I thought, okay, let let me concentrate on my own market here in the Bay Area. And it's just, we had this one volunteer, his name's Joey, gosh, Joey Miller. I forgot his last name for a second. He was the one, he he would bring in music every time and just play it for me. And he's like, check out this band, check out this band. And Small Crush was the first one that just stuck out. I'm like, wow, this is really good. And they were really young when he played this for me. You know, like 16 and 17 years old, and they were just really far superior musicians than even I am at 50. I was like, this is ridiculous. They're so good. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's cool. It's cool to have to be able to like uh, have them come in and I'll just tell them here, you DJ while we pack records and I get to hear all these great stuff. And if I don't like it, I'm like, hey, let's move on. Play me something else. (laughs) That's so cool. That um, that paints a very nice picture of the day-to-day at Asian Man Records for uh, the people listening. Yeah, it's fun. And um, and I also, I, I always ask them, like, are they, I look for bands who are also really, like, supportive of other bands. So I kind of, like, look for bands who are already community-based, uh, community-minded, where they want to, like, help other bands. And so um, that's a big aspect of, what I'm looking for too, or bands who like to help other bands instead of just like, oh, we're better than that band, or we're better than this band. Right. Like, ah, yeah, that's it's not what I'm going for. Uh, do you think you've established like a good presence in your community? I think so. I think so. It's I it's I still go to a lot of shows, even though it's dwindling uh, uh, compared to even like a couple years ago, but. Uh, I think for my age, I'm still, I'm still doing my thing. All right. Um, why don't we take a break right here? Um, do you want to introduce the Bruce Lee Band song for the listener? Yes. This is from the new Bruce Lee Band album that came out last year. 
the album's called Rental Eviction, and this is the first track. It's called When You Say It's Okay. Everyone just heard the first track off the new Bruce Lee Band record. Um, what would you like to say to the people who enjoyed it? You should enjoy it. This is the best. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I I love this record. We we did this last year in two days. No, what did we do in three days? It was, and we went in without ever rehearsing. So we rehearsed the songs and recorded them. In three days, which really most bands don't do. I don't think any bands do that, but we we purposely do it with Bruce Lee Band because it makes it even more funny. Um, <laughs> so I'll just bring in songs. Actually, in this case, Jeff Rosenstock brought in one song, and Dan Potas brought in one song, um, and so we had some shared songwritings uh, on this record, and we just would start teaching it to each other and then once we felt like we had it we would just record it do you think that like would you uh would you do that again if you guys recorded another album oh yeah we did that we did that on the last record too and i've done this with other bands too that's really awesome um do you think it adds to the uh the sound that comes out at the end of it i do because it makes it super raw (laughs) it's uh a lot of times when people record, I feel like they lose the, the energy because the, they know the song so well. It's kind of lost that that vibrancy of, of when they first wrote the song together. It's, it's, it's already gone because they start second-guessing themselves and changing things around. So this is like as raw as you can get. And we're just like, all right, this is it. There's no, there's no turning back now. Awesome, and you've you've pressed this um, this album onto vinyl, right? We did, and it took forever for it to arrive, but it just actually arrived probably a couple weeks ago. So we've we've been able to ship out all the pre-orders. Um, have you pressed vinyl before, or no? For this band? Yeah. Oh yeah, each. So the first record came out in. 94 so we i think i did a thousand of that first record and the second record actually didn't put on vinyl some other person did i can't even remember who it was but uh it was like a just like some young 
kid who asked if he could put it out on vinyl. I said, sure. And he never sent me copies. And then like five years later, he just, out of the blue, sent me a hundred copies. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like, obviously it was just, it was a hobby. They wanted to like try to do a label and adult life probably took over. And then he realized he had all these copies and then the last record I pressed on vinyl, and then this one. Yeah, all the all the releases I put out on Asian Man go get the vinyl treatment. Oh, nice. Um, vinyl's like been on a rise the past like five or ten years. Do you think there's something behind that, or is it just a fad? <sighs> when I when the vinyl, I'm trying to think. It, it it's been coming on strong. For at least ten years, when it will, I'm trying to think when it first started really coming back. Um, I say at least ten years ago. God, time flies by so fast. Right. Uh, I think it's. Well, I hope that people understand the analog sound is a lot different from the di- the digital experience, especially with vinyl. If you, it depends on what in what environment you're listening to, even if you're by yourself with headphones on and you're plugged into the, the, the phonograph, um, player, it's still, it sounds different than digital because you can even hear the, that, um, needle hitting those grooves kind of like buzzing over the speakers. Hard to explain, but, uh, it just has a warmer sound. And it's kind of fun just flipping over side A to side B. Right. Um, Especially, I don't know, I don't know if it has some, so much allure for younger people, but if you grew up that, as that being the main medium for music, as I did, it brings back a lot of nostalgia of like looking at the liner notes in this giant 12-inch um, record. So... Even when it went to CDs, the liner notes so small. The text, at yeah. least with the record, everything's big and easy to read. Um, yeah, that's a good. It's pro- that's probably why. I know I I started collecting records when I was sixteen or seventeen. It was just because I liked to like physically put the record onto the turntable. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Um. Oh. Especially if you have a good turntable, my gosh, it's amazing. The oh, sound I, is amazing. Yeah, I started out with a Crossley, and someone finally told me, like, hey, those are not very good record players. Like, you're actually damaging your records. And I was like, what? So I, I think I spent, like, a good, like, two months without listening to them to try to find a good uh, good record player. I wow. bought a dude at a grocery store parking lot. It was very safe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. So, how long do you want to do Asian Man Records for? I don't know. I guess until I'm, as long as I still enjoy it. I, I think in one way or another it'll go on forever because even if you look at a lot of the old punk labels like SST or Frontier Records, there's, I mean, I don't even remember, even like a Discord. When's the last time Discord released something? I can't even think of, of it. But all those labels are still, still do well because their back catalog is insane um and that's the case with me right now is like i have a really strong back catalog and so i know at least in one variation or another it'll exist i just don't know how constant i will be with releasing new records moving forward i'm sure i will every year release something new but i'm again purposely trying to just chill things out because it's been crazy for 24 years oh yeah um like like i said earlier yeah it's there's nothing wrong with being like i'm gonna take a minute to breathe (laughs) yes Um, i mean we've put out 367 records so good lord that's averaged 15 records a year over 15 records a year yeah for the last 24 years it's 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 not healthy. It's it's silly. All right, to change topics some, do you think it's more important to uh, make the music itself or to have fun while you're doing it? 
I think having fun is more important by leaps and bounds. Uh, if you're not having fun and you create art that's great, what use is it? I've seen a lot of miserable artists who are geniuses, but it's like, man, this person is miserable. It's like, I don't want to hang out with them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. So I think having fun is is the way to go always. Yeah, especially like if like someone's entire novel or entire like uh, album is just a bunch of like different sad moments. It's like, well, now my day is like now my day is going to be a bad one. <laughs> sure. I mean, I I'm I love sad songs too, and there's nothing wrong with sad songs. But if if he's if someone's sad and you write or you write a book or whatever that's um, deals with sad tones, that's fine. It's just, it, but as you as a person being around, if you're miserable, I know a lot of people who write sad music or like Laura Stevenson writes sad, sad songs, but she's the best. Right. She's one of the best people in the world. But if you're sad, if you write sad songs and you're sad outside of the music, then it's no fun. Then you're just yeah. Then you're just not fun to be around. <laughs> um. So I have a question. I have two questions that I ask every guest I bring on. Uh, the first one is if you could go back in time and give yourself advice at the beginning of your career, at the beginning of your career, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. I know this question has been thrown at me a bunch in the past, and it's usually. I try to have no regrets about it. I mean, I, I guess just, I mean, I passed on some bands that I probably shouldn't have, and I released some bands I probably shouldn't have, but there's really no regrets or advice I'd give myself other than maybe not to work so hard. Right. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I, love, I love it when people tell me, like, for the most part, they're, they have, they don't have any regrets. That's a very good, relaxing thing to hear. Um, and then if you could give any, like, sage advice to the audience, what would you tell them? To the audience? Let me see. Think. So most people listening to this are music fans? Um, we do. You can just indie art in general. I would just say... Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy yourself. It's later than you think, and um, create. Yeah. Also, in, inspire yourself. Even if you don't think you're a good artist or musician or um, writer, if you enjoy doing any of the any kind of art, who cares what other people think? If you have fun or find joy in doing something, just do it. It doesn't matter if you're the next Michael Jordan or Picasso. Have fun and don't take criticism. People who criticize are are evil people. I don't. I've never understood the the allure of receiving a lofty review in Pitchfork or Rolling Stone. It's like I I could care less <laughs> as long as it makes me happy. That's all that matters. Right, that's that is a good piece of advice to give. Um, do you think has your outlook always been that way? Like, as long as you're content with what you're making, then you're fine. It has, and but uh, admittedly, you know, I have hope for more success in certain areas of of my career, the different decades. Um, I'd be lying if I wasn't trying to be more successful on certain projects but especially at this stage of my life i'm yeah it's like this is i could care less <laughs> the last thing i could care about is like boasting about oh well i'm doing this and i'm touring here and i'm selling this and having this many streams or i could care less i I'm very jealous of you in that regard. I'm always trying to find ways to grow audience and things like that. Like, how do I get this show to be bigger in some way? Um, it's normal. I do a podcast too. And we, oh, yeah? 
it's a really niche podcast that we do on this Canadian about this Canadian show from the eighties. And I do it with two other hosts and we've we've consistently put out our episode every week for six five weeks. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and we we've never we've never even tried to like promote it or anything, but it's we know that it's become the biggest Degrassi high podcast out there in the universe. And it was without us trying. So that's like, oh, we didn't even try. Right. And it and it happened. Well, so just, we were. What do they call that? That you've got the benefit of the long tail, the like one percent of people that would be interested in it because of the internet, or it's a lot easier for them to find you now, which is probably one of the best things about computers today. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's why I feel like also for independent music, I feel like the lev- the playing field has really leveled out for a lot of indie artists because you can't put your stuff on Spotify and iTunes if anyone uses iTunes anymore, at least Apple Music, and it's up there. It's up there like anybody else, and you have the you have the ability for it to go viral and to share your music, whereas before digital, a lot of people badmouth like Spotify for its paying practices, but I totally disagree. I think it's an awesome medium. Um, I use it every day. I listen to music nonstop. It's crazy. It's good for the environment. Right. And a band can back in the day a band an independent band couldn't just put their record in every virgin megastore when record stores existed like tower records and virgin and um the whatever super record stores of the 80s and 90s were every indie band they were out of luck so this is i think for for young bands this is the best time for them I agree. Um, it's been, I think it's really exciting, like, especially the growth of uh, the bedroom pop genre, which is just people mixing tracks in their apartments or their or their living room. I think that's a very cool idea. Exactly. And the, the, especially the recording, the, the technology for DIY recording and the sound quality people are getting from their, from their bedroom is insane. Oh, <laughs> so um, good. Because before in the eighties, You'd have to pay so much money to go into a studio. No one could afford it. Now, people are just, as long as you have a good microphone, a really good mic, the stuff you can do is insane. I agree. Um, I actually made music with a friend of mine in his apartment bathroom the last time I visited home. Um, and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because my microphone is fun. My microphone is a good microphone. And so I was like, we're we're set. Just get somewhere small and we'll get it done. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. And it... If you just happen to have a friend that's kind of has a good ear and is gifted as a little, as an engineer, man, sky's the limit. Yeah, I, st- I still don't own a mixer for like my microphones, which is just a testament to how good like this open source recording software is, like uh, GarageBand, for example. Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's cool. It's it's allowed a lot of people um, to be able to to do stuff on their own and. Uh, I find it very cool. Yeah, especially because like I'm a big fan of uh, like p- telling people to make art as as a hobby. Uh, yeah, it's like if you want to make and record music, but you also want to have like a normal job, like you can do both. Record it and put it on on a SoundCloud, and then just share it whenever you want. You don't have to quit your job and become a band anymore, which is very cool. Exactly, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's also why I like doing this show is because um, I want to you know I want to be an editor and things like that, and I can do that and still work on a podcast because all the equipment I need I already own. Um, I don't have to go to an office or a booth. Exactly. No, it's cool. It's cool. People will be able to do just the things everyone's able to do now um, with technology. It's as long as you don't abuse the technology, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think we're coming up to the end of the hour. Uh, All right. Uh, when can they? Uh, where can we find you on the internet? Asianmanrecords.com is the is my label website, and then I have I'm on all the socials through either Asian Man Records or my own personal is just Mike Park Music, and uh, pretty easy to find me, Mike Park. You could just Google my name, and you 
find out a little bit more about me. Right. Um, do you want to um, share the last song before we go? For yeah, sure. This is a this is a project I'm in called Ogi Koopa Station with my friend Mara Weaver, and this is a this first record we put out a couple years ago is acoustic based album and uh it's very different than bruce lee band so i thought it'd be cool to see the yin and yang of my musical spectrum and this song is called this world breaks your heart and makes you gray i think is the title i'm trying to remember this i i have a problem with somehow coming up with too long of titles that i can't remember but something like that something like that uh all right um yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jwfreeman underscore, the same for Instagram. Follow the show at the little guys three, and we'll have the song play us out. So thanks for coming by. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. This town in Arkansas To a place where I could dream Where your love could be loved And you never would see All the hatred in between There was a kind old woman She told me I could stay The room I would share With a dog and a cat And a stranger on their way This world This world your heart and makes you gray. This world, this world, breaks your heart and makes you gray. Would you be my lover all the same? you be my love.